and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a big one this week. Um, of course, uh, first and foremost, th- this week is our one-year anniversary. It's our birthday, our podcast birthday here on the show, um, and... <laughs> on any other occasion that would be the top story on 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 this show but um we have the perfect thing to help ring in that birthday to help us blow out the candles here on our podcast cake and that would be Effie's Big Gay Brunch uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch uh went down as part of the collective this past weekend uh on Saturday afternoon over in Indianapolis Indiana and the promise uh, to make wrestling gayer was met in full force. We had probably one of the uh, most queer pro wrestling events that the world has ever seen. And um, we see it as our duty <laughs> on this show to unpack and run through everything that happened uh, and analyze and critique where needed. Um, this awesome, positive, empowering show um, in its entirety. And I'm very happy to have uh, Elm Hill, uh, the editor of uh, Wrestling with Gender, on the show this week to chat all about the event, um, all the uh, the high points, the, the lasting images, the history that was made in Indianapolis over the weekend. Um, but there are some other things that we need to talk about before we get into that conversation, um, specifically because they do tie into some of the things that we brought up in that conversation. You know, we, I spoke with Elm on, on Tuesday, uh, recording our conversation about this show, and things have happened in the days since that conversation took place. Um, first and foremost, there were credible um, allegations of sexual assault that came out um, just earlier uh, Wednesday, as I'm recording this, from uh, a prominent, a prominent in- independent wrestling gear maker, Tina Luis, who basically told her story from this weekend with her interactions with one Logan Stunt, who um, was part of the Big Gay Brunch. Uh, he appeared in the Twin Gauntlet. Um, she posted her statements on social media along with um, a screenshot reportedly of uh, an apology from Logan after the incident that happened Um, and you know in our conversation we do touch on some some issues that some people had with some of the stuff in the uh, the show itself um, that kind of centered around the response to the speaking out movement and this happening the same weekend at the collective prior to Logan being featured on that show and knowing that he was still in many prominent spots afterwards um, really puts a little bit of sourness not a little bit it puts it puts a good amount of sourness on some of the um, on, on all of the shows that he was on this weekend um, you know on the show, we we take these sort of claims from survivors very very seriously, and yeah, I it's 
it's terrible that she had to, that she had the experience that she had there. Um, I know she's been very vocal about how shaken um, and and traumatic the weekend was for her, and the fact that um, someone like Logan Stunt kind of took it into his own hands to effectively ruin what was supposed to be a celebratory weekend um, and really ruin um, the psyche of someone who has been committed to this industry for for a while now um, in that way is really uh, disheartening, especially considering we're still, you know, I know we're months away from the initial speaking out movement but it hasn't gone away um it's still playing out in many many places you know we had we saw some of the litigation from a certain pro wrestler um that has happened over the past few weeks we've seen you know a lot of the cases over in the uk that are actually being treated uh with respect and and put in the hands of law enforcement and even political leaders are taking um some movement to rectify those uh, issues over there we don't see the same thing here and i think a lot of people are very easy and quick to move on to say we addressed it we tried to set up systems and we've all made our pledges to be better um but those pledges don't really hold as much weight as long as people are still put in situations where they can be preyed upon in this way and it really it it really um sucks that one person's actions contain the entire weekend of um, celebration. Um, you know, and, and even like I know in in this conversation with Elm, like I talk about a lot of how the 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 Twink Gauntlet was a highlight of this show for me, and and now knowing what Logan is um, being accused of doing, it really um, it does dampen that excitement a little bit uh, around that match but um, you know our heart goes out to Tina Louise here um, and hopefully she will uh, feel better um, coming out of this and I just hope that you know this serves as a lesson for pro wrestling that um, predatory behavior does not belong in this industry and we have to continue to be vigilant to make sure that it stays out of this industry um, just to make it safe for everyone. Safe for everyone. Um, the other thing we need to touch on is that, you know, at the beginning of, of my chat with Elm, we do um, kind of touch on some of our concerns around the collective running um, in the pandemic, especially considering that the show happened indoors. Um, granted, it was socially distanced. The GCW uh, and all the other companies involved with the collective definitely installed a lot of safety precautions and and, and measures to um, combat COVID um, on these shows. But um, it has come out in the days since that a at least one pro wrestler has tested positive that was at the collective has tested positive for COVID. Um, that you know I, I believe Dan the Dad. Um, who was on multiple shows um, over the weekend, went out, came out publicly Wednesday saying you know, that he had tested positive, that he was getting another test to, to confirm the positive and was quarantining regardless of what that second test's outcome was. And you know, us here at the show, we, we wish Dan the Dad um, a, 
a speedy recovery. Um, but at the same time, like this was a risk that was there to run these shows. And I know a lot of the wrestlers are out saying, you know, they knew the risk they were taking and then, you know, the individual is, is there to make that decision for themselves, you know, but at the same time, if this ends up being a super spreader event, um, like we've seen with other um, large-scale gatherings, even though this is nowhere near the scale of something like Sturgis or even the um, the confirmation press conference, or the nomination press conference at the White House where the president um, got infected, um, supposedly. You know, if, if this turns into e- even something where you have a, 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 a somewhat large number of people, wrestlers, people that were at the show, anybody that was in, around the collective, around Indianapolis, um, that came from this, it could really put um, uh, a, a dent in pro wrestling's comeback so far on... Uh, <sighs> in terms of uh, the independent scene. You know, we've seen outbreaks in WWE. We've seen a few people in AEW test positive here and there. You know, Ring of Honor hasn't been touched. Impact really hasn't been touched. New Japan hasn't really been touched. You know, some people are doing it better than others. Um, and honestly, to, to date, not there hasn't been really any positive tests coming out of a lot of the independent companies here in the States that are running. Most notably, some of the larger ones like GCW and beyond, and Black Label Pro, and a number of other ones have been running. We haven't heard um, really anybody testing positive out of that. So Dan the Dad is really the first one. And, you know, we're crossing our fingers that more people aren't going to test positive. I know some people have already been out there posting that they've had negative tests and we're right in that window where um, infection will start showing up on tests. You know, that three to four day incubation period is uh, going away here. So really hoping that a, a number of the people at the collective did not end up getting infected with COVID, but it does kind of shed light again on whether we should be running these kind of events or not, especially in indoor arenas like like this one was. Like I think, you know, companies have been running outdoor shows, and that really has to be reassessed as we head into the fall of the winter, obviously. Um, but, you know, independent wrestling has to figure out what it wants to do coming out of this, especially if more people start showing up with positive tests. And um, it really calls into question whether we should be running shows at all. Um, it's, it's still developing. We don't necessarily know what all is going to come out of this, but there, this could turn bad. Hoping it doesn't. Really hoping it doesn't. But you know, keep in mind the um, the stakes that are at hand whenever you go to one of these events, or whenever you wrestle on one of these events, or whenever you're putting together one of these events. Even with all the precautions that GCW put in place. We still have people test positive. At least one person test positive coming out of this. So, just um, if you're gonna keep running shows, keep being safe about it. And I don't know. Maybe this is the point where we seriously consider whether running shows is the right thing to do right now. Um, but just like individual risk is up to the individual, that risk. Um, and that decision is left up to the promoters in question and, and the wrestlers themselves. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll keep an eye on this as it keeps developing. But yeah, both of those things are, are very important to highlight here on this show. 
um, before we get into the conversation, considering we touched on both of those subjects. Um, on more um, fun and personal notes, um, I did get a chance to check out the first episode of The Mass Wrestler ahead of um, recording this, and I will say... Um, I'm digging the presentation. I'm digging the concept. You know, I did not. I, I did not guess that Logan Easton Larue was the first uh, wrestler to be unmasked <laughs> there um, on that episode. But you know, I'm not the most discerning person. But I really like what they're doing over there, and I'm very interested to see um, future episodes of the show as they go live every Wednesday going forward here at 10 p.m. Eastern, um, immediately after AEW Dynamite and uh, NXT going forward, uh, at least for the next six weeks. Um, yeah, I, I really like the the show, and of course, if you want to check it out yourself, uh, we're getting early plug-in this time. You can use our promo code LGBTRINGPOD um, to get a five-day free trial over at independentwrestling.tv, so you can check out The Messed Wrestler, as well as all of the great uh, independent wrestling content they have over there. Uh, you can also go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT to access that five-day free trial. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I highly suggest checking that out and check out a lot of uh, other awesome queer wrestling while you're over there. You know, you got Hood Slam, Uncanny Attractions, Rise. It's all good stuff over there. It's, it's outstanding. Oh, also, why, how can I say that? Butch vs. Gore. Butch vs. Gore is on there. Go check that out. Go check out the Queer Star K before you go check out... I don't know what this is, but it's Queer... Queer Spring Break? Queer Spring Break. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, outstanding stuff all around. Um, and then, of course, we do also have to mention, since it is our birthday, I teased it last week, we are have more details now about our birthday Fire Pro Wrestling World Twitch stream that I'm going to do, our 32-person queer wrestling uh, tournament. Um, that's going to happen next Friday, October 23rd. We're going to get started at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, so that'd be 4 p.m. Eastern, over at twitch.tv slash wonderboyotm, which of course is my Twitter handle, so it's easy to remember. Um, we're going to have... Uh, 32-person um, Fire Pro Wrestling World tournament, all queer wrestlers, some that have been on the show, some that haven't, um, and crown a pride champion over there all in one day. We're going to start at 4 p.m. Eastern, and we're just going to keep going until we have a champion crowned. And throughout the entire broadcast, we're going to be uh, raising money for the Transgender Law Center. Uh, outstanding organization that does uh, provides many, many different services for the transgender population here in the U.S. Um, and I'm really happy to uh, raise some money for them because I know any LGBTQ organization is going to need some extra funds. And we're happy to do it and showcase um, some virtual uh, pro wrestling <laughs> in the meantime. I get to indulge in uh, my fun pastimes and habits uh, while sharing it with the world, uh, which I don't always do. So um, I'm happy to, to do that and raise money for a good cause. So make sure you check it out, twitch.tv slash wonderboyotm, uh, next Friday, October 23rd, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. We're just going to keep going until the tournament's over. It's probably like four to four to four and a half hours, I would say. But we're just going to keep running through, and we're going to raise money for Transgender Law Center, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to make do our part to make Twitch a little bit gayer. 
just like Effie's Big Gay Brunch did for the pro wrestling industry. And with that, this is an incredibly long intro. I commend you for sticking through it. Let's get to my conversation with Elm Hill all about Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Unlimited Twinks. All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I am very excited to talk about Effie's Big Gay Brunch today, but I could not do it alone, and I am very happy to have as my guest unpacking all of the randomness and hilarity and power that was on this show from unlimited twinks to legendary uh, pro wrestling matches. I'm very happy to have back on the show the editor of Wrestling with Gender, Elm Hill. Elm, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Thank you. I'm excited to be here again. Yes, yes. I am excited to have you back on the show as well. Not only to talk about the Big Gay Brunch, um, because obvious reasons, um, queer wrestling show, we have to talk about this show. Possibly like one of the like quote unquote gayest pro wrestling shows ever <laughs> but um also i wanted to have you back on because since we last had you on in february um wrestling with gender the first issue came out um you can still pick up copies i believe at wrestlingwithgender.bigcartel.com yep. um and i'm curious to hear what what's been the response uh from from readers uh, what have you been hearing about the first issue so far it's been really fun to like see people get their copies and uh talk about like how much or how excited they've been about like seeing themselves represented in like other fans ideas um and works for me it was very fulfilling like i'm a person who i have a lot of ideas of projects that i want to work on and very rarely follow through with it and so like actually having the finished product in my hand even though it took several months to actually get that done uh it felt really good to be able to send that out into the world and have people get to hold it and like see all of the work that all of the contributors put in and uh just get to experience wrestling from a different point of view no i i i commend you and all the contributors for putting that together like i have my copy here um on my desk like pretty much since i got it i keep going back to it i know we're going to talk about someone who was in a match uh, later on in the show but i keep coming back to a piece um that closes out the first issue by um one joshua wavera um, yeah, that is super powerful when talking about trying to understand gender and, and the, someone's own gender identity and a lot of a lot of things about questioning that that ideal. And and there's a lot of pieces in there that deal with with that topic, I think, in, in myriad different ways and all from different viewpoints that are very enlightening. And, and I, I really enjoyed it whenever whenever I go back to it and read it still. So, like, yeah, I come in everyone involved with that you yourself as well like i really enjoy it i'm glad to hear that <laughs> no worries well um i i do have to ask are there still plans for a second issue at some point there are plans um i have no uh date in mind but it'll happen i'm gonna make it happen sometime 
<laughs> hey, that's all. That's all we need to hear. Like it's gonna happen. That's that's good enough for me right now, and I'm sure that's good enough for many other people that enjoyed the first issue. You know, don't have to have a set timetable as long as you're putting positive ideals out into the world that people can relate to. So, for sure. Exactly. Speaking of that, let's get to the big gay brunch. Um, po- probably the. Uh, I know there were a number of shows at the collective this weekend that a lot of wrestling fans from different communities were looking forward to. I would have to say, for the LGBTQ audience, this was it. The big gay brunch. You know, originally supposed to take place in April in Tampa. Um, got delayed with everything else due to COVID, and came back in Indianapolis. Um, uh, I'm curious just before we even get into the show um, the having the event in Indiana there and and underneath the obviously the atmosphere of the pandemic um, and everything that's been going on I'm how did you feel knowing the collective was coming back I had mixed feelings as I'm sure many people did Um, I was very excited that it was in Indiana, as that's where I live. And it's um, something that uh, my friend Jay Rose speaks about a lot, is how Indiana used to be kind of a hotbed of wrestling, and then it was just a barren wasteland for many years. And it's like, especially this past year, because it's been pretty much the only state that's been open uh has become like this hub of wrestling and it is great to see a lot of wrestlers that i have known from like my i've only it's been i guess actually about two years since my first independent wrestling show and seeing wrestlers that were just local guys that like were considered like just I guess local guys um, weren't like big names or anything and now seeing those people having this opportunity to be seen around the world um, has been very exciting for me Um, especially uh, the Paradigm show that was uh, the last show of the collective. Um, there were a ton of people that are Indiana natives or live here now um, who got opportunities that they haven't gotten before. And so it was great for me to see those people that I am fans of and friends with getting that shot. And at the same time, we're in a pandemic. So (laughs) I chose not to go to those shows if it were any other time and those were happening in Indiana this close to me. Of course, I would have gone, but I personally didn't feel safe going. Yeah, I mean, I I don't fault you. I think if I had been in the same situation, um, I probably... Definitely would not have gone to the show just out of the same precautions, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing to see like Indiana kind of get this attention in this way. I know J Rose has been very vocal in the past couple of days at Post Collective about like seeing 
the especially the the east side of Indianapolis get the kind of um, love that it has from the pro wrestling scene and seeing these shows kind of take place minutes from where like he went to middle school um, yeah. was something very very powerful for him. For sure. Yeah. So like I I can only imagine, especially like looking at some of the 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 local talent there that you're speaking of. Like I know, you know, obviously Calvin Tankman. As of probably, course. Like he, I think he's one of the top five show stealers from this entire weekend, honestly. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And then even like looking specifically at the Big Gay Brunch, you had Levi Everett kind of subbing mm-hmm. in for AJ Gray in that SGC versus uh, two sweet match. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I, it's, it's, it's awesome to see a region that you don't necessarily think about as being a pro wrestling area getting the kind of love that it has. And, um, I felt the same way about that, specific to the Big Gay Brunch, because Dark Sheik was was on this show. And, mm-hmm. you know, while I'm not, like, native to the West Coast, uh, I do live on the West Coast now. It is my my home away from my Atlanta home. And I really appreciate whenever you get to see talent from the West Coast get their shot in, in these larger indies that mainly run um, East Coast, Midwest, Ohio Valley area. So, mm-hmm. like, seeing Dark Sheik get that opportunity against Still Life with Apricots and Pears. I mean, the match itself was just a, a banger and a half in terms of, like, a technical wrestling match. Really showcased a different side of what the stereotypical LGBT, uh, LGBTQ pro wrestling um, idea can be. Um, and then even, like, looking at the Paradigm show, it's unfortunate that he had a, a, a tooth issue that kept him from flying. But the fact that Jaden, from, here from Portland, yeah, uh, booked on that paradigm show uh, originally. Like I was just over the moon with the fact that he was getting that opportunity uh, to be on that stage. So I, I'm right there with you in terms of like finally just getting those like butterflies, seeing people that you that you've known for a while get the chance to show what they can show. Yeah, it's it was definitely like the fact that it. I was still able to watch it without actually being there was something I was grateful for. That being said, uh, the big gay brunch, um, (laughs) the reason why we're here, I keep, I keep setting it up and then we just keep talking about all this other rad wrestling stuff, but we're, we're, we're going to get to it in earnest now, the big gay brunch. So what were your expectations knowing about this show and going into it? What were, what were you looking forward to and what were you thinking was going to come out of this? I think probably I was most excited. Just I can't even choose what I was most excited for. <laughs> uh, it just like there were a lot of people involved that I knew of that I know that many other wrestling fans who don't run in the same circles as me we're not as familiar with and so knowing that they were going to be on a stage that was big and gay uh it was (laughs) exciting um and I think there was another half to that question, but I forgot what it was. Oh, no worries. Uh, like, what were you? <laughs> what were your expectations for the for the show mm. specifically? Like, in terms of knowing, like, you're having a big a big gay show 
going on as part of a GCW weekend? Like, what were you thinking, especially with Effie at the helm and all the all the different like r- like ridiculous stuff that he had been out there promoting and promising? Like, what were you thinking going into it? Definitely was thinking that there were going to be a lot of people excited and probably some people who were not so excited and maybe a little mad about what was going to happen. Um, and it turned out that way. So um, I guess it's more so for me, like the, that pairing of like having mm. a show like the big gay brunch that is like, so in your face, queer paired with a company like GCW where yes, like yes, yes. you've had, you've had queer wrestlers in, in GCW. I mean, Effie and Logan Stunt are like mainstays at this point. Alley Cat mm-hmm. has been a mainstay even before them in some ways with that company. Yeah. So they, they have queer wrestlers in the company, but they've never really like embrace isn't the right word. It's more so, I guess, like put those identities to the forefront outside of like in matches and to see them be the company that has that, that first off, the company that went to Effie and talked to Effie about the idea and gave, and like gave the green light to Effie to do this. Like what were what were your thoughts around that relationship? I think I am a little distrustful um of the kind of like relationship between not just that specific promoter but any straight white cis promoter um and uh using queer talent as like kind of the same way that like a lot of times a woman's match is considered like a special attraction uh that that kind of booking can be perpetuated when um a person who is not queer is um not listening to the queer talent and like what kind of stories they want to tell and how they want to be portrayed but in this case Effie was like taking the lead um in like the booking like I know that there are people in this show that would not have been booked if not for Effie doing the booking um so I guess I think it's overall positive um like exposing these people to a wider audience but it will remain to be seen if these people will get the opportunities in the future that they were afforded for this one show. Yeah, I think that is the, always the concern coming out of an event like this. Whenever you don't have like a a, a queer or a promoter that's really behind like the driving force behind something you know like i know effie had control of this show um brett lauderdale still runs gcw and i know brett lauderdale has been out there publicly on social media in the days since the collective like you know praising the big gay brunch and praising effie and praising all the people on the show and you just hope to see the 
a number of those talents do make their way onto, you know, GCW cards or, or other companies that were represented there. Um, and that this isn't just like, yeah, we had our gay show and, and then everybody kind of goes back into, you know, their own little corners until the next gay show. For sure. Yeah. To that end, though, let's get to the gay show and proper, though, because um, there were a number of outstanding matches uh, and pretty much something for anybody coming to this show and literally for anybody coming to this show. I mean, we had everything from the the outstanding like technical psycho- psychological battle between Dark Sheik and Still Life with Apricots and Pears, a stellar tag team opener with um, Atlanta's, Atlanta's own Ashton Starr and AC Mack taking on Delmi XO and Ashley Vox the, of the Sea Stars, which by the way, I'm just going to take a, a moment real quick, call out commentary. Um, I don't, I can't remember if it was Purse or Kevin Gill, but whoever was kept calling Delmi XO Delmi Expo, I yeah. frustrated me <laughs> throughout oh, yes. the entirety of that match. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about commentary at some point here. Um, I just had to get that one out of the way first because it just, it just, like, it was like nails on a chalkboard for me personally. Um, but even up to like the two hopper TV match where um, the, uh, what was it? The ultimate twink Marco stunt um, shot boy butter into Effie's face from a nine inch <laughs> dildo <laughs> and utilized a living sex doll that is totally not Nolan Edward. Um, no, no, of course not. <laughs> for uh, to, to get the victory there, even up to like the, the legendary finale that we have with, you know, Sunny Kiss and Cassandro. Like so much on this card, and, and, and I've even skipped over like other stellar matches, which I do want to talk more in depth about those matches um, as well. But I'm curious, like, what did, how did you feel like seeing just the 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 vastness and the spectrum of what was presented on this show? It was a very fun experience for me, like watching the entirety of the show. I was watching it with uh, some of my coworkers at the school that I work at. Well, we weren't watching it at the school, but they're my coworkers at the school. Uh, and they are all queer. Um, and they are all new wrestling fans. I've shown them like a few matches here and there, but this is the first like full show that we watched together. And it was super fun to see their reactions to all of the like different wrestlers uh the different moves that they had never seen before um just the variety and um i just had a really good time like being able to spend time with people that i love that understand me and we understand each other and we're able to just kind of forget about everything else that was going on and just watch this really fun show. Mm. Was there a specific match that stood out to you as like above others in terms of like mean meaning uh, personally for you? Yes. Okay. My match of the event for sure was still life with apricots and pears versus dark chic. Um, they're both trans performers and I am trans and but that wasn't like part of the story like they were just there 
Um, it was Dark Sheik is like this veteran um, who's been wrestling for well over 10 years, I believe. Um, although she, um, I uh, got to see her for the first time uh, just this within, I guess, last year. Um, she uh, wrestled on some Bizarro Lucha shows in Indianapolis. Um, and still life actually did as well, uh, wrestle on those shows. Um, but like still life has only been wrestling for, I want to say only two or three years. Yeah. Um, three years. Yeah. Um, and so like it was, but like has like won the Chikara Young Lions Cup. So like has like this acclaim at this point of being like a really skilled technical wrestler. Um, so like seeing them, I believe it was a first time match between the two of them. And they put on like just an incredible, like mostly like submission based match. My friends that were watching with me, hadn't really seen that kind of like a lot of what I had showed them is were like striking or like high flying based matches and so they hadn't really seen like a lot of submissions and so they were just like completely in awe of like the way that they were bending each other's bodies and like both of them would like do a lot of like I guess, like, multiple submissions at once. Um, and then, like, Dark Sheik would just be, like, yelling things that were hilarious. <laughs> and it was just, like, so fun to watch and, like, knowing that these are just incredible wrestlers and they happen to be trans, but that wasn't, like, the whole thing. That was just a part of what was going on. No, I'm I'm right there with you. Like you had two skilled wrestlers showing their their skills in in the ring, uh, but it also like they were able to like like you said like Dark Sheik, you know she there's always an element of of humor whenever she's in the ring. Like she finds little instances here and there. Like I think the Dean Malenko line was the one that taught <laughs> me the most. <laughs> like oh yes, yeah. So like I, I, I laughed so hard at that, and then <laughs> met the friends that I were with were like why was that funny <laughs> <laughs> oh no nah, I I I thoroughly enjoyed this match and and the fact that they got the time that they did to 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 do what they could do in the ring was, was awesome to see um oh, yeah yeah and and I'm with you like you don't this match probably more so than any other match on on this card like really set out to prove that LGBTQ pro wrestling is not just something of it's not a novelty. It's not something where you have to play up um, persona based stuff or like humor based stuff or like really be for I know the word's been much derided uh, over the past few days because of how some people have used it as a as a replacement for like the term gay or queer in their writing about this show, but you don't have to make an LGBTQ match fabulous, quote unquote. (laughs) 
you know? So like, you don't need to have, you just need to have two LGBTQ people who are good at wrestling, wrestle a good match. And this is exactly what this was. And and I think that it was that much more endearing because of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course they still, still both looked amazing. Oh, always. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. No, I, I, I really was, I was very happy to see this match happen. I know like I had Effie on the show last week and he was talking about how, like th- how important this match was for still life. And, and, you know, that's still life's story to tell. And hopefully we hear that at some point down the line, but, you know, dark Sheik apparently is a very, very important figure to them. And um, the fact that they were able to stand in the ring with dark Sheik and go toe to toe and come out on top as well yeah it was a really awesome moment to see for for the people that that really knew the magnitude of what that that match held for sure Hmm. um i think for me the match that stood out the most other than that one because it's hard it's so hard to pick from from this card they were all so good but um i think for me um it probably was the Twink Gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, in many ways. Um, just in terms of like a pro wrestling presentation. Like it had, much like the, the Dark Sheik in Still Life match, it had good wrestling in there. Um, it had uh, humor as well. Um, mm-hmm. It had a number of awesome participants whether queer or or not um even though i think like some people have criticized uh, the match itself i think more diversity in there would have been awesome to see um but at the same time it also told a really great story whenever Pero finally got into this match um yeah i was very happy to see jared evans get his shot and to get pinfall victories over jimmy lloyd and logan stunt but yeah this thing picked up where Rapero got in there and we were able to tell the story of the, the bear um, against what ultimately became unlimited twinks uh, <laughs> from F <laughs> like just emptied the barrel um, in, into the ring there. I, I like seeing Pero is, is, is someone that I wish I saw more of. I know that he, like he, like many other wrestlers, he's been basically on, somewhat on sabbatical because of the the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. but Pero is just so damn uh, like sturdy and, and awesome in the ring especially whenever you have him in this kind of setting where he's just ripping through people it's what Pero's built for um <laughs> yeah. and it set up so many great interactions like i know like the runway whenever they came out like the fact that they were like competing to have Pero on top of them <laughs> I like they're like celebrating yeah. when they got choke slammed. It was just like that. Molly McCoy was outstanding. Um, oh yeah, yes. I was very happy to see Molly McCoy in this match. Um, and you know, and ultimately culminating in um, Devon uh, Devon Monroe, the the final twink, the uh, <laughs> coming oh, in yes. and getting the victory for all of the twinks around the world, toppling <laughs> the bear. Um, I don't know the, this match, like the story that it told, just like it, it it landed in every way that I think it was supposed to hit. Um, I really enjoyed it, and yeah, it, it it hit every point that I wanted for this. For sure, yeah. I 
like the beginning of the match for me, I was like kind of confused what was happening. But like once Paro got on there, like it made more sense. Um, but I also haven't seen the first Twink Gauntlet. Um, so like I think like having that backstory might have made it make a little more sense for me, but yeah. Mm. No, like I think you know, speaking to speaking to Evie last week on the show, like he was saying like the first twink gauntlet was more of like a moral sort of thing where like it was just him versus a whole bunch of twinks and like the whole thing was like say trying to beat down this state this idea of stereotyping people in the queer community as one thing or the other. And, yeah. and that sort of thing. And then, like, this match was just throwing all the morals out and just throwing something ridiculous into the ring, <laughs> um, which I think I was uh, – it, it accomplished that goal, I would say. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I forgot to mention also the fact that we got our Juicy Jimmy um, appearance on during oh, yeah. this match as well with the rainbow dildo in tow. And um, I have to say this is probably, like, the, the one moment throughout pretty much every every – uh, collective show that I watched that really put me back into the mindset of we're in a fucking pandemic was him <laughs> spitting into Tony Deppin's mouth. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, ah, God. Yeah. Uh, just, oh. Like any other time would have been immediate, immediate <laughs> joy, I think, for me, but just to know, like, where it's COVID. I know y'all yeah. have all been tested, but COVID, come on. And the fact that Tony Deppen was in that match was very <laughs> amusing to me. And also um, my friends who had just like their only reference for Tony Deppen was him uh, trying to steal the money from the Queens in the intermission show. So they were like very mad at that happening during that um and then all of a sudden he's just wandering into this match um <laughs> it was very funny to see their reactions and then me explaining like no he's like actually we like him but that's like his character <laughs> <laughs> exactly like we saw tony deppin's growth the character Tony Deppin's growth, like from stealing money from the queens and getting chairs hurled at him by multiple people to taking off his pants and and getting spit in the mouth from Juicy Jimmy and growing to accept the queer community more and more to the point where he got into the ring, screams, I love the twinks and super kicks Pharaoh. <laughs> like, that's exactly. just that's just a good story of personal growth right there. Like, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Oh no! I I I mean, I think every match on this card was a highlight, but that one just stood out to me, just in terms of just the 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 camp and the ridiculousness that came with it. Um, I did want. Speaking of that, though, obviously we 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 have to talk about um, Alley Cat and Jamie Senegal, um, because this match uh, I think was one that I was looking forward to as well. Uh, I was very happy to see Jamie Senegal back in a ring. I know she she hasn't really been in the ring for like months at this point. And yeah. uh, the fact that we got Jamie along with St. Sinclair, I was very glad, happy that we got a St. Sinclair sighting on this show as well. Um, yeah. Going up against Alley Cat and seeing Allie bring like the social media simp 
into real life <laughs> in this match. The only um, note that I had for this match was the definition of simping. Yes. This match. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I've seen Alley Cat that coy and that just very much in her nerves and in her feelings. Oh, yeah. Um than in that match. Like it was just a different side of Alley Cat that that was really awesome to see. Um and then um I do obviously we have to highlight the um SGC versus Toothweed. Um because like while the the tag team match that opened uh was was outstanding. Uh Still Life and Dark Sheik was amazing. This this eight person match, I think, was you know Effie kind of set this up as like being um, a chance for four of the best um, LGBTQ pro wrestlers out there to step into the ring with four GCW mainstays, four uh, members of his own running crew that he knows can throw down, but you don't necessarily know. A lot of a lot of the audience that knows Mance Warner or knows the one called Manders don't necessarily know Billy Dixon or MV Young at this point. Yeah. But they know now because this match was the opportunity for all four or all eight of these people to step into the ring and throw down in the um only way that they know how. And I I know MV Young put a, a video up on his Twitter account, like I think with the Avengers theme over them whenever they <laughs> whenever they were coming out uh yeah. of the tunnel. And I, but like I said, like I know I started like getting emotional just at the beginning, like at the first match, whenever um you had uh, AC Mack and Ashton Starr getting getting their flowers at the beginning of mm-hmm. it. This moment, whenever you had all four of two sweet outside, you had Wavra, Edwards, Dixon, and Young all standing out there and just taking off of their taking off their their uh, entrance gear and just getting psyched up and just bum rushing everybody like that was like i was ready to jump out a fucking window and punch someone in the face like i was hyped <laughs> i was hyped as fuck whenever that oh, moment yeah. happened um i'm curious what were your thoughts around around that match i had a great time watching that match um i was a little bummed that aj was not in it um as planned although it was a pretty amusing reveal when he tweeted several hours later oh damn i just woke up (laughs) um but uh it was really fun for me to watch my friends like see like everyone like going at it um definitely like the most like hardcore style and like I think it was the first time that some of them had seen someone get hit with a chair before. And so they were like freaking out about that. (laughs) Uh, And um, like, I think maybe the highlight of the match for me was MV and Matt Justice going at it. Um, They like were relentless and uh it was really fun and i hope we get to see them in a 1v1 in the future i was like 
unsurprised based on like the promos and the tweets preceding this match, but still disappointed at O'Shea just like walking off. Like it made sense in the context of the match because he kept like getting knocked off the ring apron um, that he would get so frustrated over that. But like for fans who didn't see that build up to the match, um, I worry that it like didn't like leave the right impression with them. Um, but O'Shea definitely made up for it in his other shows on the weekend. Um, but um, I don't know. I was kind of surprised that SC- SGC won, but like seeing them all like hug it out in the ring afterwards made me feel a little better about that. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you on that. Like I th- I thought it was unfortunate that SGC won the match but like the moment that came afterwards was awesome to see like this especially considering like what we talked about earlier like the the pairing of this show with you know with gcw and you have a number of people that are well known to gcw audiences almost like not that necessarily that the queer community needs endorsing but Mm -hmm. the fact that you have these top names in gcw that a lot of fans of gcw look up to and and appreciate endorsing these people and really saying like no they can fucking hang um like it it is a powerful statement in 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 and of itself um the o'shea thing like i'm of two minds with with o'shea because like while yes you don't like one of the main things with this show is like queer solidarity and of course that gets thrown out the window whenever o'shea keeps getting hit and and walks out on his team in that Mm -hmm. way and and while that is very much O'Shea Edwards, the wrestler, you know, yeah. he's very much, you know, about O'Shea and O'Shea first. Like it was it was frustrating to kind of have that that message of like, you know, the that solidarity and community kind of being broken, even if like it, it is a traditional pro wrestling sort of scenario, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did get some of that foreshadowing. I know, like the, a lot of the the promos online, like you were talking about, even like Billy Dixon the night before, whenever he was doing commentary on for the culture during O'Shea's match with uh, Tankman, like he was like cause he he kept harkening back to that Butch versus Gore match about how like like O'Shea and I not on the best of terms, but we're te- we're partners tomorrow, and like yeah. we'll, we'll get through that, and and you know that sort of thing. So like it was, you could see like. Billy, there was still like little seeds there of dissension, mm-hmm. and and it played out in that way. So, but while that was disappointing, it did also highlight something that I think kind of can get lost in a little bit of the minutia when it comes to LGBTQ personalities um, within pro wrestling. In that, you know, a lot of people don't. Then this is what I've heard from some wrestlers here and there: some promoters don't necessarily want to book lgbtq people as bad guys because of the perception it might cause to be like oh well we're homophobic or something like that mm-hmm. but the fact that you had a, a show that was unapologetic about showing that lgbtq people can be both faces and heels um and do it well 
and do it effectively. And it's not based around this, some idea of homophobia. It's not based around this idea of, you know, you can only be bad if like, you're like being like uh super gay panicky in, in a way, like we've seen with so many other LGBTQ coded characters in pro wrestling over the decades. Um, I think there was, it was a powerful statement to say like, we can do it all. We can be anything that you need us to be in the ring or anything that we want to be in the ring and we can do it well. And we don't have to rely on these cliches and crutches to do it. For sure. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I wish I could take full credit for that point, but I shout out Russell rogue, who was one of the, <laughs> one of the, one of the people out there really talking about that. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I thought I, it disappointed me, but at the same time I got it and it told a well enough story and the match itself delivered. I mean that like you were talking about Envy Young and Matt Justice. I need that singles match in my life right now. I like just after them just sitting across from one another and just slapping the, the taste out of each other's mouths and that suplex on the chair. Like I need, I need that. Just give me 15 minutes of that. Definitely. Yes. Um, uh, did you have any thoughts about the uh, the op- the tag team opener um, with Ashton and AC Mack against the Sea Stars? I was just so happy to see them teaming. Like they work so well together, and I love both of them. So like, or AC a- and Ashton, um, and then like for them to be like. I'm pretty, like I think that's the first time they've teamed, but then going against like an established tag team like Sea Stars, and it being an intergender match, and like for that to be the opener, I think just like set a really good tone for the show. Um, Ashton's new gear, incredible on point Those glasses, yes. uh, hilarious when Delmi tried them on and they just went flying um and i don't know like how many people like know that like people like ac mac or um ashley vox are queer because they don't like really like flaunt that um but like seeing them in like this setting um was really cool no, I'm with you on that. Like I, like AC Mac. As soon as I saw him in action, like done, all all the way in, and every time I see him, it just keeps getting better. C stars, like outstanding. Um, Ashton was was the one person I was probably happiest to see on this stage because Ashton, um, not because of any lack of talent on on Ashton's part, because Ashton is outstanding in the ring, but he's just. He doesn't. He hasn't really gotten the chance on on these kind of large stages yet, mm-hmm. um, you know. And you know, it was awesome seeing him at Butch versus Gore, and it was even more awesome to see him get this opportunity here because more people need to know about Ashton Star. Absolutely. Um, yes, definitely. And 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 just even if all you've seen from this weekend is the gif of him mocking Delmi Exo, <laughs> like that's one. I mean. Ashton is an outstanding athlete, but that's all you need to really know about Ashton Star's personality. It's like he just he'll just mock you endlessly and then like kick you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
I guess we we I want to save Cassandro and Sunny Kiss for last because that was obviously was the main event, but also probably the one that had the most um, emotional weight to it in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, but and I want to get I want to talk about the the two offer TV match first though. Um, obviously, this was originally supposed to be Effie, Effie versus Priscilla Kelly. Um, Priscilla Kelly pulled out of the collective because of a family emergency. Uh, well wishes to uh, Priscilla um, and her family uh, as they go through their trying time now. Um, but I think they got a perfect replacement, and Jay Rose's introduction of him was uh, yes. spot on. Like, <laughs> like speaking of Jay Rose, yes, yes, his outfit. Oh my god! On point. Thank you, yes. Maui. Yes. Like I the those those panaditas I need them in my life. <laughs> Whenever he teased like wearing mesh, I did not expect it to be that mesh, and it oh, was yeah. just so good. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, but basically saying like he wanted to punish Effie for putting all of the twinks through what they went through in the twink gauntlet by making him face the ultimate twink and Marco Stein. <laughs> I just loved like the storyline. I just loved like the through line of this all of it all. And to see Marco make his return to GCW at the big gay brunch of all places. <laughs> like that was like that's a moment that's been like a year in the making in many ways because you know Marco's been with AEW. Um and to have that moment happen at Big Gay Brunch was outstanding. And then to see what went on in this ridiculous contest um made it even that much more awesome because like it seemed like marco was game for everything um in this match where i don't know like in like years past where um uh, a wrestler that is not out there as part of the lgbtq community would have necessarily been that comfortable being in a match involving boy butter and dildos and uh um gags and hot wax and all this other ridiculous stuff that it went on in this match for sure i think my favorite spot the or the spot that got me the most was the hot wax for sure i thought that was really funny (laughs) (laughs) it was just it's just so like fun to see like where the mind can go whenever you take off restrictions like that just like knowing how Effie had been talking about this match heading into it. Like mm-hmm. it had to be some form of just raunchy ridiculousness, but I think it even went above and beyond what anybody thought they would have done in this. So like, just the fact yeah. that Effie like stumbling around the ring, blinded by boy butter, um, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. wrestling a sex doll. A living sex. I I just keep <laughs> saying these things, and they just like they actually happen. But it's yeah, it's, it's, oh God, it's so good, so good. I just I really enjoyed how in your face it was with a lot of the stuff too. I didn't apologize for anything that they were doing, even up to Marco like shoving a Twinkie in his mouth at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wonder like how the reaction would have been different if it had been Priscilla mm. instead of Marco and like how like if any of the spots would have been different um like because like obviously like 
probably the most like talked about spot was with the dildo and like i think we it would be remiss for us to not like talk about how there were people saying like and not just like like the obvious haters but like queer people who were saying like this spot like it simulated sexual assault and like this is not like a good look for us like right after speaking that happened mm. um and like it's hard to talk about um like i didn't feel that way like watching it um like my friends like didn't say anything in like saying that they felt like uncomfortable with that as they were watching it but there were people who were uncomfortable watching that who like felt like triggered um and obviously like it's not a situation where that is considered sexual assault but that still to some people can look like that um like the fact that Marco was like being pushed towards the dildo I think is like the main point of contention mm. um and like obviously the difference is that they both consented to that spot but knowing like how the audience reacted is just like something it's hard to talk about um yeah. But like I don't I don't have the answer to that. Um it's like like I said like would people have felt differently if it were Priscilla in that place would it have been maybe Priscilla pushing Effie towards it. Um like all of these things could have like changed how people felt about it. Um but like the intent was just for it to be goofy, but like that's not how everyone felt about it. But I don't know. Like I feel like that kind of like seeing the reaction to it after the fact kind of put like a damper on the show for some people. But I mean, that was the creative vision of the show. Um, yeah. Mm. No, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. Like, I know, like, much like you and, and the people you were watching with, like, myself and my partner, when we were watching it, we didn't, that wasn't, you know, what we, our takeaway from, from that spot. And, you know, it's this, I think this idea of consent you know, in terms of like the pro, pro wrestling match sense, like it goes back to the, some of the arguments that we've seen made for um, intergender wrestling, where like you know, people have criticized it for like simulating like domestic violence and stuff like that, wherever mm -hmm. it's just you know a consensual physical contest uh, in yeah. terms of like what's going on in the ring. I and like while that idea of consent like definitely was present in that they were both in this match they consented to the spot it even even in those instances like there there are images devoid of context that can definitely be triggering for people and like i 
I don't think anybody here should should be discrediting the people that did feel that way. Um, and you know, I, that's definitely true for for the people that did feel that way. And and it, I, I it's like you said, it's hard to talk about. Like I can't put myself in anybody's shoes in that way. But it, it is unfortunate that some people did have that um, that feeling come up and have that have to be rem- reminded of that from from that spot even though i'm you know that that was not the intention of, of that spot there but yeah like it can be a very striking image and it can invoke a lot of emotions around it for for people that have been in those circumstances so i think the, i think the criticism is um is valid yeah for sure mm-hmm. um well I think we should talk about Cassandro and Sunny Kiss for for a minute here before we get to um, some other things around the show that that I wanted to ask you about. Um, Cassandro, a legend in the ring, um, but like Effie put it best at the end of the show, like none of those none of those wrestlers would be there if not for Cassandro and the work that that he has done um, across the world um, in terms of being open and out and proud LGBTQ um, in the pro wrestling industry and, and carving a path for people like Sunny Kiss to kind of stake her claim in pro wrestling, as well as like everybody else that was around that ring at the end of the show. Um, what was, uh, Howard, how, what was the response in the room to Cassandro and, and Sunny and to, to kind of see this, um, this legacy of LGBTQ pro wrestling, the history of LGBTQ pro wrestling in, in the ring. Definitely like seeing Cassandra's like entrance, like they were like, this is a big deal. Um, And like the, the robe. um, I mean, you can like, see the experience that Cassandro has had and like seeing how hard he went during that match was like incredible um and then like for that match to be with Sunny Kiss like as soon as they saw Sunny Kiss they were like obsessed oh. uh, <laughs> I th- think like the most impactful thing or spot for me was when Cassandra dove and did, I don't know, I don't know the names of any moves, but like the flip thing out of the ring um, Mm -hmm. where he was like pretty low to the ground and like flipping and like, like for him to do that after all of these years of experience and I'm, out that he's wrestled recently um but like for him to like showcase like this is what we can do this is like i've earned this place um in wrestling and i'm going to do everything i can to entertain you and to show you that like I am a legend. Um, it was very impactful. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Just to see Cassandro not holding back, 
you know, 30 plus years in, in the business. Um, really like Effie put like facing the, uh, or like what actually rather what, how Billy put on commentary during this match, like basically facing the fruits of his labor in Sunny Kiss, like really, um, someone that I think, you know, I don't, whether directly or, or indirectly definitely influenced Sunny, um, and the queer community as a whole, um, in pro wrestling, being able to see Cassandra, like, just go full force, not hold back, and like see how like gritty and hard hitting this match got too. Like yeah. fighting on the outside, just the forearms and the the kicks, just neither was holding back. Um, and I was I was a little surprised that Cassandra won the match. Um, yeah, but it was the there after seeing it, like there's no other way to close this show For in my sure. mind. Like you, you give the legend their flowers, and then like give them the the celebration that they rightly deserve for paving the path for everyone on this show. Um, I think it was um, the right message to leave everybody with. I think um, to see Cassandra in the middle of the ring with just a, in a, a ring surrounded by um, probably more queer wrestlers than a lot of wrestling audiences believe are actually in the industry. Um, just pounding the mat and celebrating a legend, not just of LGBTQ pro wrestling, but of pro pro wrestling as a whole in the way that they did. For sure. Yeah. And like, I just, and we can keep, we can, we've talked about all the matches, like obviously, and like, and, and every match had its moments. And, but as a whole, the show itself, like, I think really is encapsulated by that lasting image of Cassandro in the ring being praised by everybody and just the, the group that is surrounding that ring, like that image of everyone out there was, I think that's the lasting thing for me pulling away from this is like, like, this is, this isn't even like, 15% of what this community has in pro wrestling and they were all they were able to give you the kind of show that they gave you and open your eyes to you know queer queer uh, personalities queer identities queer stories you know things that you would not know if you didn't you know interact with with queer people in any way like it normalized a lot of stuff in that way, and and I feel like it opened the eyes of many, many, many people to what LGBTQ pro wrestling um, personalities can offer in this industry. Definitely. I I want to ask you like what what your lasting takeaways were, but before we get there, I did have to ask you. We talked about commentary a little bit earlier in the show, um, but I I know you've been uh, vocal online post the big gay brunch about um one kevin gill and i'm not trying to call you out or anything i'm just i'm just curious to like to hear like because like you know kevin longtime announcer for a number of companies um right now gcw being like the main one and throughout the the show kept harping on like how he was an ally and an advocate for the lgbtq community and how and like basically like pushing others to be allies and advocates for the lgbtq community if they're not part of it um and i don't know if that set the best with you 
from taking from your reactions to it? I'm curious. What what, what were your um, thoughts on on Kevin Gill? So I don't know Kevin Gill. I don't know much about him. Uh, I like see not just this show in particular, but like other shows, just people not enjoying his work. I'm sure some people enjoy his work, but as far as this show, it felt a lot of the time that he was focusing on him, like his reactions, how he felt in about the situation and not talking about what was happening in the ring, um, not talking about like the history of the performers. Um, I believe Percy Davis did a lot of um, the commentary as well. And I love Percy, um, but also I don't believe a member of, uh, or we'll say the queer community. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, But like it didn't sit right with me that it was not queer people telling our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like Billy jumped on to commentary, MV jumped on to commentary, but they like for the majority of the show, it was not queer people doing commentary. And it was noticeable because of the way that we were talked about. Um, like, it very much felt like, oh, these people are an inspiration. They're uh, like valid. They're, I, I don't even know. But um, the buzzwords. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was very much from like a straight cis perspective of how people, of how I guess I perceive that straight cis people view us um Mm. and as far as kevin gill like the one thing that really got to me was uh like yeah you can call yourself an ally and that's doesn't bother me as much but calling yourself an advocate when as far as i know i've never seen him do any advocacy like I don't know if he understood what that word means, but advocacy is like active, like an active, like um, or an action. Um, like advocating is like actually like doing things to further the betterment of the lives of queer people and. I don't think that's something that should be claimed lightly. Um, and it's not just like, oh, I donate to like a queer organization. Um, or I say, yeah, I'm cool with queer people. Um, like, that's not advocacy. Advocacy is like actively working towards liberation and i think it's rare for 
straight people to be advocates. Mostly it's queer people advocating for ourselves. And like, it's hard to be an advocate even for yourself. I often have a hard time like standing up for myself, being a self-advocate. So like to hear someone like just throw that word out there bothered me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can completely understand that. You know, I don't know if I had a, as visceral reaction in the moment, um, but hearing you explain it that way, like, yeah, like I advocacy is so much more of a commitment than just like saying that you're like talking up queer people or like donating to queer foundations and stuff like that. It's, it's about like really investing yourself and helping advance a community that has been marginalized and and faced prejudice for <laughs> as long as they've existed. Um, so yeah, like I am with you on that. And, and I think for me, um, the one major criticism I, I have of the show overall was the fact that you did not have queer voices on commentary. Um, you know, the same, same as, as what you said, like, I think that's really what made a show like previous um, queer centric wrestling shows really have that, that sense of authenticity, you know, like looking back at Butch versus Gore, like I know um, accident report um, was uh, on the commentary team there. And while it wasn't an entire team of queer voices, you had at least one uh, very prominent queer voice within pro wrestling there for the entire show um speaking about the people that were in the ring and speaking about speaking to the experiences that they faced and that the community that is tuning into these shows and supporting these shows faces um you know like at a company like uncanny where like at one of at their halloween show last year they had all of the nobodies uh, on commentary and like that was the first time in my recollection that i've ever seen an entire an, an entire commentary team that was all queer. So, like, I think, like, you to make this better and to really have more of of the impact that I that it already is having and wants to have furthered. You need to put queer voices in all of the places that you can. And while it was great to have Billy and MV on for like the last three matches of the show, um, you still had three matches ahead of that that didn't four matches i'm sorry four matches ahead of that that didn't have that didn't speak to that queer experience and it led to like you know some fuck ups on commentary i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie I'm not, I, I know that you know kevin and purse kind of corrected themselves after the fact multiple times but like you had like them like using incorrect pronouns for still life you had them mispronouncing joshua's name um on on, on the on the show um i believe at one point during the sgc um two sweet match like someone was referring it to as to an eight-man tag whenever it's an eight-person tag like not 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 really putting the the light on joshua's non-binary identity that that you know he is sorry that they are deserving of my apologies um like you, you those moments like yes people screw up i just screwed up you know, people screw up and, and correct themselves all the time when it comes to this stuff, but 
you need to have people that are able to correct themselves in the moment, wherever that happens. And you need to have people that can speak to the experiences and know why those corrections need to be made and why you need to know the history of these people. I, I really felt like um, the commentary team, especially in the early matches, really didn't, I didn't feel like they had the background on a number of the people that were in the ring um, Dark Sheik really being the only exception because Kevin Gill has such a history with Hood Slam. Um, like I really felt like they didn't really have the knowledge to speak to the experiences, even just in pro wrestling that a number of these people had. And like that's like as a commentator, you, like you should do your homework and 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 that sort of thing. And like I get that it's the collective. There's like twelve shows. And there's a number, like there's a, a multitude of people to, to really know some background information on to talk about. But you can take the time, and you should take the time if you're going to be on a commentary mic to get to to know something to talk about the people that you're that you're um, trying to prop up and and convey um, to an audience that's watching. I think the one upside to that situation as i've seen multiple queer people talk about wanting to learn how to do commentary mm-hmm. uh since that because of that situation and i'm excited for more people to get opportunities like that um who aren't just straight men no i'm i'm with you like to my not i can only i can count on like one hand how many you know um lgbtq uh people i know that have done commentary in the past like i know like accident report veda scott and um oh god the name just left my head there's a third one i know there's a third one oh colette aaron who used uh, to do yeah. um yeah did, did work for aiw and, and and has also put herself out there as being like, if you want a queer commentator, I'm here. So like, like there's there are people that are willing to do the work, and there are people that want to learn how to do it. Um, like you said, and I think that really putting those voices in front of those microphones um, to talk about the queer stories that are being told in the ring would go that much further. And I hope that's something that happens at the the next big gay brunch and any other queer focused event that that goes forward. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess at this point, what were your overall takeaways from the show as a whole? And what do you hope to see from um, the next Big Gay Brunch? Or, or what do you hope to see as like the fallout from highlighting so many deserving LGBTQ uh, people within pro wrestling? I think the biggest takeaway for me was how big the crossover appeal is for non-wrestling fans watching a show like this. Um, Like watching it with my friends who aren't wrestling fans and seeing how invested they were in these stories. Um, It's really like the perfect introduction to wrestling. And... um, as far as like the fallout, um, I expect that GCW in particular will be booking people from the show again 
besides the people they've already been booking. Um, I have a history of criticizing them and I have a high expectations because of the position that they are in the independent wrestling scene and I just want to see them continue to put their money where their mouth is and book a more diverse card on their shows and pay people who deserve it. Could have said it better myself. I think that's the perfect outcome for this. Book the queens, damn it. Yes. Book the queens. <laughs> um, well, I actually I had one more question for you about the show. I was about to wrap up here, but I had something that popped in my head. Were there any performers that you wish had been on this show that weren't? I, I have a immediate answer for that. All right. One one Candy Lee. Yes. If it weren't a pandemic and if the borders were open, she would have been there. And I would have been so happy. And she will definitely be there next time. And I love you, Candy. <laughs> I'm I'm with you on on that. Like Candy is a doll, and I am. I, it's a bummer that that the international talent that Effie originally had lined up for the original Big Gay Brunch weren't able to to make it over. Because I know I would have loved to have seen Vinny. Uh, and Shea Purser, you know, and, and okay. hopefully, like, it, I was, I know I, I spoke with Cassius a while back, and, like, I know Cassius wasn't planning on coming over for WrestleMania weekend, but I really want to see Cassius in this environment as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think for me, the one disappointment for me, really, outside of, like, people that just weren't going to be able to get into the country, was um, the fact that you had Solo Darling there at the Collective, Mm-hmm. And she wasn't on this show. Yeah. That was a bummer personally, just because like, you know, you had someone who had just came out this year um, and is putting themselves out there in, in a very powerful and, and vulnerable way. And someone who has all of the indie cred that you could ever ask for, for, for a pro wrestler and was already there for this, for the shimmer show. I think she was also on the Joe Janela spring break show as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the scheduling was like there. I don't know what the logistics of everything was. Obviously, any event like this is going to be hectic as all get out. But it would have been awesome to see someone who was like just like months removed from coming out and putting themselves out there really get a spotlight uh, shown on them in that way. I was really hoping that she would show up in the Twink Gauntlet personally. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, so that was that was my one, my main one. But yeah, yeah I mean, there's plenty of others. There'll be other opportunities once you know some of these travel restrictions are up, and hopefully, hopefully by the time the next big gay brunch happens, those will be lifted, and we'll be able to get people like Candy into the states and and really uh, show out in that way. I want the diva rematch with her and Jamie <laughs> Senegal so bad. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, Elm, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk, talk about this show with me. An important show, a historic show, a monumental show all around. Um, let everybody know where they can find you online and where they can pick up a copy of Wrestling with Gender. 
Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at tweedslacks, and you can uh, get Wrestling with Gender at wrestlingwithgender.bigcartel.com. And thank you so much for having me on. It was super fun. Oh, thank you. My thanks once again to Elm for coming on the show and helping me uh, run through Effie's Big Gay Brunch and, and really offering some thoughtful insights and um, bringing up topics around the show that you know needed to be highlighted. Nothing is without critique. Um, or nothing is, is exempt from critique, rather. And while Effie's Big Gay Brunch was an outstanding show of solidarity for the LGBTQ pro wrestling audience and the LGBTQ pro wrestling community, um, you know, everything can be made a little bit better. And Effie's Big Gay Brunch 2 is going to be that much better than the first edition the inaugural edition um definitely if you haven't checked it out go check it out over at fight.tv it's available on demand and it's a well a good uh two and a half hour respite um for all of your queer wrestling l- loveliness i just it was i absolutely adore this show um yeah um, but that is going to do it for us this week um do thank you for tuning in not this show, but all the great shows here on the Outsports Podcast Network. Uh, but we must bid you adieu. But before we do that, we have to say thank you to some awesome people that helped make this show as rad as it is. The Progress Pride Flag, designed by Daniel Quasar, is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And of course, a big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, that's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Like I said at the beginning of the show, go check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including the debut of The Masked Wrestler. Um, and all future episodes of The Mass Wrestler. Um, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod, or you can visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT for a five-day free trial. Definitely worth checking out the service, um, and you know I'm sure everybody finds something over there for themselves, and you've discovered some hidden gems, some, uh, some things that you might not necessarily know that you need in your life. They're there for you. LGBTRingPod is the promo code tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT is the URL if you want to check out independentwrestling.tv on our dime for a little taste. It's always fun. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And yeah, I think that's it for the blogs this week. <laughs> check out our, our birthday stream next Friday, October 23rd. Um, at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, we're going to do a big old queer wrestling tournament in Fire Pro Wrestling World, and it's going to be fun, raising money for Transgender Law Center over at twitch.tv slash wonderboyotm. Join us. It'll be a blast. Trust me. Um, but uh, with that being said, we will say goodbye this week. Uh, but as always, y'all stay messy. Like every week, but... It, more than any other week, wash your hands and wear your mask and book the queens. Everybody's ready to die. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. If they didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge, you made a deal with the